Welcome to today's energy show. Low natural gas prices have been here for several years, and electricity prices have uh, stayed down, at least on the generation side. Electricity prices go up because of distribution costs, but the generation has been down. Um, and we have incredibly low gasoline prices, down in the low $2 a gallon range. And in some places uh, around the U.S., it's even less than $2. It's amazing. And I was thinking about what's the reason why these natural gas prices are so low and these gasoline prices are so low. And the reason is hydraulic fracturing or fracking. And you know, this is a very contentious technology. Some people love it. There's lots of statistics about how good fracking is. I mean, we're talking about benefits like cheaper natural gas for electricity. You look at your electric bill and the utilities are charging less for the generation component. You have all those other charges that continue to make the bill go up, but the actual cost for them generating electricity is down pretty low. Gasoline for a car, as I mentioned, really cheap, down around $2 a gallon. That's great. So we've got hundreds of thousands of jobs of people in the United States in the drilling and the refining industries. And you know the, the, the economy in North Dakota and Texas and Oklahoma and some places, it's really booming because you got all these uh, people there that are, that are uh, consulting, drilling for oil, processing it, building pipelines, refining. That's good for the economy. And this benefits every single person in the United States that uses transportation, car, people who drive cars. I, I think the statistic was like uh, the average driver is saving $800 a year in uh, lower gas prices, which is just really good. That's more money in consumer consumers' pocketbooks. Some people save it. Most people spend it. And that just creates uh, more economic growth. So there's there's benefits to low energy prices and, and fracking is contributing to that. So there's benefits to fracking. On the other hand, some people really hate it, and, and there's probably more haters than lovers out here. It, it's, and some of the reasons why uh, people are, are against fracking, there's the possibility and the likelihood and the reality of pollution of groundwater, underground water, and pollution of surface water from the fracking chemicals and from just drilling in the ground and this, this slurry of, of mud and chemicals uh, circulating around uh, the surface. Uh, there's a lot of water usage from fracking. These wells require a, mil a million gallons of water. There's emissions that go into the air because we're now drilling for more fossil fuels, we're finding the fuels, and we're burning them. So you've got increased greenhouse gases, and you've got the, the other problems from, from uh, uh, well drilling, methane emissions, etc. There's other more subtle problems, like um, there's a delay. This is causing a delay in the deployment of clean renewable energy. Why? Because people uh, will, will choose the energy sources that are cheapest. And when gasoline and, and um, oil is expensive, people are going to say, hey, I'm going to go find renewables. And when, when gasoline is cheap, people are going to say, hey, I'm going to go buy that big SUV again, and I'm not going to bother with changing to an electric vehicle. So it's slowing down that transition to more of a renewable energy economy. So you, you can kind of find that the pluses and minuses. I got a kick out of this when I was doing a little bit of research. There's whole websites dedicated to the dangers of fracking. No surprise, it's www.dangersoffracking.com. So and you can find how great fracking is, some terrific videos showing how it works. So it, it, there's pluses and minuses. I've got mixed feelings about it. The, the low gas prices are terrific. The jobs that are being created are great. There's economic benefits throughout our whole uh, country. But the pollution aspects are very bad. The, um, the, the long-term 
implications of continuing to burn fossil fuels even worse. I mean, we're talking about the, no slowdown in greenhouse gas emissions and, and more CO2 in the atmosphere. And, and that's ultimately really bad for our kids and our children's kids. So, um, and finally, you know, as you know, I'm in the, the solar industry and anything that delays the deployment of, of clean renewable energy in my book is, is just not, it's just not long-term good. So uh, mixed feelings there. I think it's kind of a transitional thing, but we'll see. But I was kind of very curious to see, you know, what's, what's, what is fracking and, and how does it work? Because you just you hear about it and you don't understand it. And I think understanding it is going to help people uh, really have a better comprehension of is it good or is it bad. So the first impact of fracking that, that I recall was on natural gas. And suddenly we started finding lots and lots of natural gas in the U.S. five, six, seven, ten years ago. And the, re- the reason was they started finding ways to use fracking technology to release more natural gas that was in these rock formations all over the country, you know, in, in some f- fairly populated sections of the country, in, in uh, Pennsylvania, et cetera. So, so what happens is natural gas is kind of a very localized um, fuel source. You, you can't move it very easily because it's it's a gas and you have to pipe it to where you need it so it's not like we can easily transport this there's not a real good world market for natural gas because in order to ship natural gas say from the united states to europe you've got to liquefy it put it on a ship and bring it over and then turn it back into a gas that's expensive so it's very localized but the initially Fracking made a really big difference in the local price of natural gas, and um, we we started seeing that happening. And uh, the 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 immediate implication was our heating costs. People who are most of the people in the United States use natural gas for heating. Your heating costs go down, and everybody uses electricity. and And most of the electric generation in the U.S. is transitioning initially away from oil then from coal, a lot of coal plants, and now it's all transitioning to natural gas. They're not building any more coal plants. Haven't built an oil, um, an oil uh, electric generation facility in, in probably dozens of years. Everything is, is new natural gas turbines. And the reason is that the utilities can see this natural gas fuel source as being relatively cheap compared to the alternatives and, and relatively quick to implement. So lots of electricity is being generated with natural gas and, and electricity prices are lower than they would have been if we didn't have this fracking technology. But the biggest impact and the reason why it's, it's really uh, become a household issue is on, in, on the price of oil. And the reason why it's having a big impact on the price of oil is there's a lot of oil locked in underground rock formations in the United States And uh, fracking helps get that oil out of the ground. Now, oil's a commodity. The price of oil in Texas is not very different than the price of oil in in Great Britain or price of oil in in the Middle East. So it took a long time for us to pull a lot of oil out of the ground using fracking technology. But eventually, over the past dozen years or so, production ramped up pretty steadily. And now, believe it or not, um, and this is kind of surprising, but the United States is the biggest oil producer again. And and we kind of fell off the map for a while um, because the easy-to-get oil was all sucked out of the ground. But now we found ways a little bit more expensive to get the harder-to-get oil with fracking. And uh, we're, we're, we're pulling a lot of that oil out. And it's um, I think we're up to 9 million barrels of oil a day, which is more than Saudi Arabia. So that's had some big, tremendous local impacts on prices of gasoline because oil is what the the source of gasoline is after it's refined. 
But it's also had really big impacts and continuing to have big impacts. I think this is going to accelerate international impacts because these countries used to get $100 a barrel for oil. And now, I mean, just we're talking about uh, here we are in, in uh, late January, early February, the oil price is down around $40, $45 a barrel. So it's less than half of what it used to be. And imagine if you were running a company and, or a household and suddenly, boom, your, your income, your revenue went down by half. It puts a lot of economic pressure on these countries. And the reality is most of these countries, they're not our friends. OPEC, the Organization of Petroleum Exporting Countries, hates fracking because it's turned into, uh, it's given them a loss of control on the pricing of oil. Russia is a, a fossil fuel economy for the most part. People really don't buy very many Russian goods other than those little like nesting dolls. Um, but basically, we're just buying uh, natural gas and oil. Europe, most of it, mostly. Vodka and caviar also, but it's, it's mostly uh, fossil fuels coming from Russia, and it's clobbered their economy. They've got other problems too. But Russia hates, hates fracking. And, and my perspective, especially when it comes to some of these Middle East countries that are effectively at war with us, is if it's bad for them, it's good for us. So uh, um, OPEC, and this is interesting, this is kind of a, a worldwide game of economic chess. OPEC has essentially declared war on fracking in the United States, and, and they can't go to war against these oil drillers in Oklahoma or North Dakota, but what they do is they say, eh, we're going to let the price of oil continue to go down and let the market set that price. We're going to continue to, and this is what they're doing, the, the OPEC countries, are, we're going to continue particularly Saudi Arabia, to pump as much oil as the market wants. And what happens is with all that supply out there, the extra you know, 9 million barrels that are cranking out from the U.S., the oil price just keeps coming down, supply and demand. Lots of supply, demand hasn't gone up that much, price comes down. A huge drop in revenues for these countries. It's it, it's hard to say how long it's going to be sustainable. Some countries are are going to be able to continue to to um, pump oil at forty five dollars a barrel. Other places are not. But what what will happen is a lot of the U.S. oil drilling companies that are that are that are built their businesses on fracking. I mean, they started investing in these fracking wells when oil was $100 a barrel, and boy, they could make tons of profit. Um, now when oil is at $45 a barrel, their profits may not be very high. They may be zero. Oil wells that are already drilled, certainly it's literally a sunk cost, so the oil is going to still come out, but they're going to slow down drilling. And what will happen? Oil prices will creep up again. They're going to start drilling again. So that's kind of the, the, the economic war that's happening um, with, with uh, OPEC against frackers. But it's very unpredictable. You know, what's going to happen with oil prices? Um, are they going to go up again? Yeah, they'll go up again. Do I know when? No. Nobody else knows when. So it's very unpredictable. Um, the reality is right now the, that the unfriendly companies have less money to make our lives difficult. And we in the United States have more money because we don't have to import so much oil from these hostile states. So that's kind of the, the background and, and what's happening with the worldwide market in oil and fracking. But what the heck is fracking? Um, and, and that was uh, that's what I was kind of curious about. And it's actually a pretty fascinating technology. And, and it all happens. It's, it's all kind of invisible underground. And, and uh, it, it's... Um, it's pretty amazing. So fracking is actually technically called hydraulic fracturing. Hydraulic means moving a liquid under a pressure. 
it's you know like a hydraulic system, any any kind of pump or or um, machine or equipment, and then fracturing, you crack, you crack things. So you're using um, a pressurized liquid to create cracks in rocks, and and so what essentially what happens is the way the way we used to um, we found oil, we drilled for oil, is you drill a big hole in the ground. It's it's a borehole through a well. And then there's a, a reservoir of oil down there, and there may be a pocket of oil. And when you hit that, the, the oil's under pressure because you got all this rock sitting on top of it. And the oil squirts out. Boom, you see those gushers from those old uh, those movies on TV. What, but what happens is a lot of the oil, and, and I'm not really sure, and I don't know if anybody's really sure exactly what percentage, but a lot of the oil is not in this kind of convenient puddle or reservoir or pool underground. A lot of the oil is in, in, in porous rock. You've got holes in the rock. It's kind of like a, a very, very stale loaf of bread where you've got these holes and there's, there's oil or there's gas inside those, those interstices, these little holes. And the rock is not permeable, impermeable. So these pores aren't connected. So you've got, imagine you have a, a sponge, but there's no, there's no way to get the liquid or the air out of the sponge. It can't flow out. And so if you drill a hole into that porous rock, Wherever that hole is penetrated, then the, the pores right around that hole, the oil or the gas is going to kind of ooze out. But everything around that is going to be closed. The, pour, the pores don't connect. So you can kind of just drill through these, these oil or gas-bearing porous rocks, and you're not going to get a lot of oil or gas out. So the way you get the oil and gas out of these tiny little cracks is that's where t- hydraulic fracking is. So they, what they do is they pump a fluid, it's called fracking fluid, into the well hole, the well bore, at a really, really high pressure. Um, you have to pump it in at a high pressure because you go a mile underground and there's a lot of rock on top and there's just a lot of pressure down there. So that really high pressure creates cracks in the rocks as the rocks expand. And then you, you have this fracking fluid, which is mostly water, but there's other chemicals and sand in there. And 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 particularly these 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 sand particles or other granular materials, they, they are forced into these little cracks that are formed and the sand gets stuck in the cracks and props them open. And so when the pressure is reduced, when the fluid goes away, you now have channels through which the oil or the natural gas can flow back to the surface. And that's the whole trick. So the, the, the place where these um, uh, oil and gas reservoirs are, or rock, um, porous rock sections are, it's pretty deep. It's like one to two miles underground. And it's in, um, it, it's not in really, really super solid rock formations. It's in sandstone or limestone or shale. You know, this is where the, the, the dinosaurs and all the old trees died and, and got compressed and uh, created these hydrocarbons, but they're, they're in these layers one to two miles down. So you can drill a well all the way down, let's say go a mile and a half down, into a layer of sedimentary rock where you've got a lot of oil and gas, but it's in this, this impermeable porous rock. And the, the layer, it's, it, they're, they're flat pancake layers. They're not really that long, maybe a few hundred yards long, you know, not, not, not huge. Um, so this vertical drill will quickly drill right through. So boom, you may, you may get 100 yards worth of porous rock, and there's not that much. It, it's, and the trick, and one of the, reason, one of the other technologies in, in fracking that really made this work is they figured out a way to do horizontal drilling. And that's a fairly recent development. You just kind of imagine, you know, you're drilling straight down and then you got to make a 90-degree a turn somehow into one of these horizontal layers of rock. 
and that's where the vein of, of, of good sedimentary rock is. So, so basically the way this horizontal drilling works is you drill down vertically until you get close to where you want to make a right turn, a 90-degree turn, and then you use a directional bit, and, and there's these drill bits that can just turn a little bit at a time, a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. It takes a quarter of a mile to make a 90-degree turn. So, you know, you know, like half a town over underground or, you know, on somebody else's property, you're now going underneath. And um, that you can make that turn. And then you're going horizontally along that vein of uh, porous oil or gas-bearing rock. A very slight curvature. So you drill that hole. Then you put well casing in, which is metal pipe. And there's just, you know. Thousands of miles, hundreds of thousands of miles of metal pipe underground in, in the United States right now filling up these holes. So that metal pipe goes in and it, it, it turns very, very, very gradually. The pipe does flex and then you can go horizontally. Now you have a vertical well going down and then you have a horizontal line going along. But the oil and gas isn't going to flow through the rock because there's really no channel. So what they do then is they run a perforated pipe. It's like a flute through this horizontal section. Then they have some little explosions go through the, heart, the the perforations, and that creates these cracks. Then they this may go on for like a mile horizontally. They then pump in the fracking fluid, and the particles jam in those little channels, and they keep them open. And then, boom, you've got uh, oil and natural gas coming out of uh, this, this semi-solid rock. It's great. And that's what's happening. But what's not so great is you've got all this fracking fluid. Now, 90% of the fracking fluid is water. It's water, in my view, pretty harmless. 9.5% is sand or other granular material. So it's kind of like a slurry. And this granular material is called a propent. And, and I just think propent, it kind of props open the cracks. So sand coming out of the ground anyway, depends, probably not too bad. But half a percent of that fracking fluid are other chemicals. And that's where uh, we could have a problem. Typical fracking fluids, and these are secrets. This is kind of what, what really bothers a lot of people. There's a lot of chemicals, and they're kept secret as, as far as what these chemicals are. So the drilling companies won't tell citizens, people who live nearby, what they're pumping underground. So what, what some of these additives are is they're acids like hydrochloric acid. That sounds bad. That's like bleach. Not good. Acetic acid, vinegar, not so bad. Sodium chloride, salt. Um, it's okay if you listen to your doctor. Just, just don't eat too much of it. But then you got other weird stuff like polyacrylamide. Um, I'm not quite sure what that is. Doesn't sound good. Ethylene glycol, that's antifreeze in a car. Um, I know you can't drink that. Borate salts, not good. Sodium and potassium carbonates, that's probably not too bad. Glutaldehyde, it's a disinfectant that kills the bacteria. Guar gum, I think I saw that as an ingredient in cream cheese once. Citric acid, that's a, that's like it's an orange juice. Um, isopropanol, it's an alcohol, and the most common chemical in fracking is methanol, which is you know it's it's another type of alcohol. Isopropanol, methanol, can't drink them; it'll kill you. Um, ethanol is the one that we can drink, but evidently they don't use that for fracking. So, um, in my view, um, most of these chemicals are, are are not good, and you know. If you can eat tiny bits of them, it's probably not terrible. I know that sounds really elementary, or elementary as the case may be. But, but the ones that are not on on an ingredient list in some food packets that you look at, you don't want those anywhere near our water. So the big issues with fracking are pollution of these underground aquifers, surface pollution, 
They use a lot of water and more greenhouse gases. Now, how much water pollution? Well, the, the water reservoirs that we have are about 500 feet deep. The oil and gas fracking is 5,000 to 10,000, a mile or two. So, so we've got to go, we typically for fracking go right through the underground aquifer. And there should be well casing and, and cement that prevents the water from um, the, the, the fracking materials from getting into the aquifer. But inevitably stuff happens and we don't know what's in that fracking fluid. So lots of people get worried about it. It's one thing to kind of keep liquids out of the aquifer, but methane and other gases get into the aquifer and you turn on the tap and the, the water has a kind of a funny smell. And I've seen videos of people lighting their their kitchen faucet on fire. I don't know how, you know, how real that is, but it, it doesn't sound good. So there's inevitable leaks that are going to happen. We don't know how bad, depending on who you talk to, not bad or really bad. And we really can't get a handle on exactly what's in these materials. Um, I, I'm skeptical when when uh, when companies that make money from drilling or, or, or anything say pollution can't happen, it's not that bad. You know, you think about all the situations in movies, Aaron Brockovich movie about perchlorate contamination in water and utilities, and it's something to worry about. It's not something that can be easily dismissed. So that's the underground water pollution. A lot of this water also ends up on the surface. It's just like very wet and sloppy and messy. You've got this mud, you've got this surface water with these fracking fluids, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to get into the surface water. It's, it's absolutely impossible to prevent it. Some places there's not a lot of water. So if you're going to use a million gallons of water per well uh, and you're drilling thousands of wells, that's a lot of water. Sometimes they, they can't actually drill for water locally. They actually truck the water in. So that could be a problem. The biggest overall long-term problem are the greenhouse gases that come from continuing to burn these fossil fuels. Because there's no price on carbon, people are going to generate, uh, generally use the cheapest source of energy they can find. And, and when oil and gas is cheap, it's good for the economy, but we're going to use more of it. We're going to create more greenhouse gases, more CO2. That's more global warming. It's, it's a fact right now. When natural gas was really expensive, um, people were really looking at, at alternatives pretty quickly. Um, but, the, you know, the electricity was more expensive too. Um, when natural gas is cheap, obviously that's, that's good for the economy, but people aren't going to be moving as quickly. They, they still are, but they're not going to move as quickly without as much urgency towards renewables. Um, you can see it happen right now. And you look at the, the sales of electric vehicles. The sales of electric vehicles aren't growing as fast. Um, the sales of SUVs are growing faster now because gasoline is so cheap. People um, really do look at these things on a relatively short-term basis, and it's understandable. But that's going to have a big impact on things. So my view, um, kind of to wrap up, is fracking is is here for a while. We're not going to ban it. Um, it's it's just creating too much be- too many benefits to the economy. It's the biggest factor to low oil and gas prices. Um, it's absolutely positively definitely not good for the environment. So that's one of those trade-offs. I kind of look at cheap natural gas as, as sort of like a temporary bridge to uh, more renewable energy. So as long as we're continuing to aggressively deploy uh, solar, wind, hydro, other sources of renewable energy, continuing to conserve, that's good. Inevitably, the prices of uh, oil, natural gas are going to go up again, and renewables are going to continue to be uh, cheaper and cheaper. So, you know, even with cheap natural gas and cheap electricity, relatively cheap electricity, solar is clearly cheaper. So that, that's that's kind of my view. Um, I hope you have a better understanding of fracking now. It's going to be here for a while. 
So that's my view, and that's all the time we have on this week's Energy Show. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today. And if you missed any of today's show, you can always go to our website at cinnamonsolar.com and listen to the podcasts. 